Welcome to Old School Jake Uger, John Idorla, Brett Ehrlich. I am in an excellent mood, uh, partly because I'm about to tell you, down goes Carrie Lake, down goes Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake has been defeated in Arizona. Katie Hobbs will be the next governor of that fine state. And I wouldn't say great state, I'd just say fine state, <laughs> right? It's got Kirsten Cinema. Carrie Lake almost won, but we'll take it, we'll take it. Blake Masters has been defeated. Carrie Lake has been defeated in Arizona. So that is great news, it just happened. We don't break a lot of news on old school, but there it is. And also another breaking news story, twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT gets you great coffee. And they're the sponsor of the show, okay, kind of. Now, <laughs> reactions to the defeat of Carrie Lake, go. John, let's start with you. Okay, so that was the last remaining one where her getting in would be absolutely devastating. Not only because she cannot be in charge of a state, um, not only because it would be a vindication of all of the insane conspiracy theories that have mostly been rejected in other races, but also because she wants to get in there and they want her to get in there so she could mess with the 2024 presidential race in Arizona. Um, I don't know how much power she singularly would have had to do that, but that's clearly what she wanted to do. So great that she got knocked out. It's unfortunately a bit of a vindication of sort of milk toast, weak sauce, centrist democratic campaigning. Cuz Katie Hobbs, I literally never saw even do anything during the race. But it's good, she won, that's important. Um, as you pointed out, now Arizona just has the one massive shame of Kirsten Cinema. But um, I would like to take this opportunity in old school to announce that we now are just 722 days away from getting rid of Kirsten Cinema. So I think that we need to start covering the primary. We need to start pushing for a strong, vigorous uh, a challenge to her. And in just 722 days, we can be rid of her too. Well, uh, John, um, I'll do you one better. First of all, to your point, uh, Ruben Gallego has been all over television. Uh, he's a Democratic congressman from Arizona speaking out. First, who's ostensibly to talk about Carrie Lake, Katie Hobbs and the elections, but he would keep uh, lending kidney punches to uh, Kirsten Cinema because he's definitely going to run against her. Yeah. But um, but and that's great, that's awesome, and I, so, I instantly support him. Okay, I support him over her. Period. To begin with, um, Jake, do you um like I I do too, but also theoretically, like how how I, I don't have a good read of how progressive he is. Like, and do we anticipate potentially even more progressive challengers in that race? Yeah, so that's the thing. Gallego has been, um, I, he's been a little hard to follow for me, right? So I'm sure that if you uh, did an forensic analysis of his record, uh, which uh, Casper's probably on as we speak, right? Uh, then uh, you probably will, you know, would be able to know better. But my sense of it is that Gallego started out very progressive, and and he's been a little bit more mixed since, which that's kind of how. Cinema started so, and they're both from Arizona. It does make me worry a tiny bit, but so my point there being though that not that Gallego is a bad guy in any way, it's just that I don't know enough to be able to give a definitive judgment now. And could there be a more progressive candidate later? Sure, could be, could be. So, but if you said to me based on what I remember about Gallego versus what I know for sure about Cinema, it's mm. not remotely close. Yeah, two hundred to one, Gallego. Um, so now having said that, but that's not the thing I was gonna say that's I'll do you one better on. Um, if Warnock wins, they have a one senator cushion, 
and so if I was Biden, he'll never do this. He'll never, ever, 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 ever do this. But if I was Biden, I'd make an example out of one of them. I mean, yeah. you're welcome to run as a Republican. Have at it, Hoss. In the NFL, they have a next man up mentality. So if someone goes down, the next person up is there to do as good a job at that job, even though they ne- they didn't get the starting job. So they're probably not as good at it. And I think the two starters on that squad of like corporatist, I'll be the person who's facing the music and and betraying the party and the faux banner of bipartisanship are Mansion and Cinema. And you know, due to forcing the vote on minimum wage in the Senate, we now have a list of eight next men up, right? So that voted against the Bernie Amendment for $15 an hour minimum wage. So now, now the senators, we have a list of those. What we would be doing in the meantime, if you do beat a Kirsten Cinema in the House or in the Senate in the next go around, is you're also you're not just proving that Kirsten Cinema uh, that the party is upset with Kirsten Cinema. You're saying that it's an existential issue uh, if you do uh, act as the turncoat on behalf against the Democrats on behalf of the corporate wing. So there's a disincentive to be that person like Manchin and Cinema going forward in the future. When you're someone like Manchin, you have the name recognition, but you also got like the justices in the wing who've been in exactly your position before. You can take your spot ostensibly, but. But I think I think it bodes well. Something like this, after you see Katie Hobbs win over Carrie Lake, you've got and and you'd have someone who's more entrenched as more as a as a politician to begin with, who um, probably is better at navigating like who's lining my pockets and maybe I I have higher aspirations that I would squander by being the the mansion and cinema turncoat. So I think there's a lot more variables out there. So maybe if you have Gallego, you you definitely have a better chance in cinema, whom we know doesn't have a single bit of dignity left. So guys, we are gonna do House of the Dragon review in a little bit. And we are definitely gonna get to it this time. And we are obviously gonna talk about John's hair. Those things are obvious. But but first, just to round up the carry like a conversation. I don't want to keep going about cinema because we'll never get out of that rabbit hole. Okay, and we'll have two years to discuss how we're going to get rid of cinema. Um, but uh, for Carrie Lake, she was the last of the radicals, um, as John alluded to, and that were had still an election outstanding. And so almost none of the radicals won, uh, at least the most prominent ones, right? The radicals meaning I prefer Donald Trump to democracy. Uh, and uh, and their defeat has been historic, like mm-hmm. soak this midterm election in. That it, it's, I mean, it's kind of a funny thing to say when the Democrats lost the House, although it's going to be about by about three seats, it looks like, and it barely hung on to the Senate, uh, and that might be by one seat. Um, but it almost as good as it gets. Like mm-hmm. the fact that, and the reason why it's as good as it gets is not because of the overwhelming Democratic victories or overwhelming Republican losses, but because the American people have never been so clear. We really don't want the crazies, yeah. and and we were super uncertain about that. And so the fact that the crazies lost, and overwhelmingly, and all throughout the country, that is 
great news. It's not a little good news. It's great news. So Carrie Lake is the cherry on top, if you will, uh, which I think is Donald Trump's nickname for her as well. Oh so, uh, so the fact that she lost is awesome and a terrific relief to any thinking person who cares about our democracy. There's another There's call, a, by the way. Bring it. I, I just saw Democrat uh, Andrea Salinas beats Republican Mike Erickson for an Oregon House seat. That's good news. That's great. And and by the way, uh, there was another election I saw where the Democrat had, a, according to I don't know who if it was Nate Silver or someone else, but had a two percent chance of winning, and she won. Um, so the Democrats did way better than expected. Um, although uh, frustratingly, uh, Jamie McLeod Skinner, who had a great primary victory against a very corrupt Democrat, Kurt Schrader, was supposed to win and didn't. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's probably particular to Oregon, where they've had a significant crime problem and it really hurt the Democrats very badly. So it's that one's a very specific local issue, I think. Uh, but but still. Um, if if they didn't have that problem, by the way, they would have had a couple more seats in New York, maybe California, and obviously Oregon. So they would have held a house if they didn't, in my opinion, if they didn't have that problem. Uh, but um, but overall, though, it's just sanity won. Now, to, oh, here's another breaking news: Lindsey Graham tonight saying that uh, they asked him if he's going to back uh, Donald Trump, and he said, "I'll have to tell you after Georgia." Ooh, Ooh. the primary bootlicker. Off duty today, the boots will not be licked, at least for now. He's and I, I think it's so funny how how everything about Lindsey Graham is hilarious, right? He's like, now listen, I'm gonna sell out later, okay, probably, but I'm not gonna sell out yet. I'm gonna wait to see who wins, and then, well, actually, it's definite that I'm gonna sell out. The question is, who am I gonna sell out to? And I can't tell, and I want to see where my political advantage lies. And then be a craven, pathetic loser at their heel. Well, fair, fair, Lizzie Graham. That is that is exactly where you are. So thank you for making that even clearer. Did I you mean, see? Yeah. Also, Club for Growth Action or whatever the hell released their polls of the primary, and like it's Club for Growth, and they're they don't like Trump anymore, is what it seems. But they say Iowa, DeSantis or Trump thirty seven, DeSantis forty eight. New Hampshire, Trump 37, DeSantis 52. Florida, Trump 30, DeSantis 56. It's pretty much that that's going to be pivotal. And then Georgia, Trump 35, DeSantis 55. That is, you know, and it's like I got one, you know, Club for Growth is not going to do good polls. They're not a polling agency. They went through WPA, which I never um, heard of before, but they're like seeding it, seeding it. Yeah, and I yeah, tweeted earlier today. Like Dave Rubin was like, if anyone thinks that uh, the machine is for DeSantis, who kept all this stuff open in the face of the machine, you're sorely mistaken. And my analysis is like, oh no, that if you didn't know where the money was going in the Republican Party, Dave Rubin just told you because that's the only skill mm-hmm. he has. Is like, where's that money going? Where's that money going? <laughs> and then he follows it. So he's proven everything. The opposite of what he said is absolutely true. Um, so, all right, last two things on this. Uh, Riley Lab says uh, in super chat, 
Break out your violins and play the election denier Carrie Lake, a sad song for her troubles. Now <laughs> she's free to move to Mar-a-Lardo with Diaper Don. <laughs> I like the random insults. It's childish and hence I like it. Good on you, Riley, thank you. And uh, and in terms of the uh, sad song, oh, we fill our cup, uh, we fill our too strong coffee cup up tonight with uh, Carrie Lake's tears. So here's to you, Carrie. Please keep crying. <laughs> okay, that's the cream in our too strong coffee. Okay, um, we appreciate it. Toostrongcoffee.com/slash/tyt. By the way, Carrie, send the tears over there. Um, one last point on that though, yeah. what do we think the odds are that she and or Trump try to storm Phoenix over her losing? Because <laughs> that 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 is that race has become the epicenter of what remains of Stop the Steal. Like they're focusing all the Steve Bannon is saying that it was stolen, Sean Hannity, Pete Hag Sith, all of them are saying that it's being stolen. If they're they'll gonna freak in, out, it's gonna be about this. They'll end up in Tucson because they don't know where the capital is. <laughs> <laughs> um think that this is so good guys, God, I'm enjoying this. Uh, it's not like we've won everything. I like where my face froze on that one. Um, so in fact, it's going to the next question. But the fact now everything they do, like including further crying for uh, Diaper Don and, and for Carrie, for Carrie jumping a leg uh, is uh, giving Trump like handles now. Um, is further counterproductive. If Carrie Lake and Donald Trump go to Phoenix or wherever, or they take the 310 to Yuma, and they're like, <laughs> that's gonna be great. It's gonna be wonderful because it's all that does is further confirm their whiner baby status that cost the Republicans this election in the first place. It'll drive Republicans crazy. Forget Democrats. Like now, Democrats are sitting back, including me, relaxing and enjoying the show. Like, you know, the the gifs, the gifs, the memes, etc. About grab the popcorn. Yeah, somebody hand me a popcorn, man, and and watch these guys rip each other to shreds. So when they start crying, it's not going to be us that uh, does the most damage. It's going to be other Republicans with basically, will you just shut the f up already? It's so weird. That's the thing. Is like, I get it. And I understand that, but one of the things we did on on Boss today was kind of discuss like, okay, so in the meantime, you're you know Josh Hawley's declaring the funeral for the Republican Party. What are Democrats doing to go you know hit on the funeral attendees? You know to get them their the vulnerable funeral vulnerable funeral attendees being like, come on, oh you know well, oh you're feeling sad right now. I've got something for you. Like mm-hmm. where where's that? I need them. Like are that's they're the the sit by and watch is still a the same strategy they always have, which is I hope the opponents screw it up. Mm-hmm. It's not a proactive strategy, and I just hope that they that it, there is something to do. And there's but there was this I don't know. Anyways, I think they should do what I said on John's show five years ago, which was the most Americans agree agenda, which has now become called popularism. <laughs> um, and just list it is, and it just list things that they should do that people that we think the government should do that they can actually get past that um, people will support. 
And the trick now is just if if America has declared itself moderate, now the move is just to convince them that the stuff most people want is by definition moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, despite what uh, Fox News and company will say, but hopefully Fox News and company have lost credibility in the meantime, declaring Trump totally reasonable for yeah. five years. There's a yeah. Walt, Walter Masterson, who I think it might have been on the network before. Yeah, he yeah. had a thread that he started, and people kept adding onto it with stuff like, uh, "With the red wave beat, we're going to give Republicans exactly what they deserve. What they deserve is insulin." What they deserve is healthcare, like, and it's interesting. I haven't, I haven't seen a ton out yet about if there's going to be a switch up in strategy going into like the Warnock race. I know they've said that they're going to hold a vote to codify Roe. I think in in the very near future, we'll see how the the House, you know, affects that. But, but I do agree. I feel like the Democrats are so stunned by what happened that. They've sort of been slow to actually like really do something out of it. I feel like this is a moment to, like you know, take advantage of the situation. Also, really fast, I think we should point out, like everybody's rightly pointing out that this is a bad time for MAGA, bad time for Trump, and everything. But what I love is that there are the people who just signed on to MAGA, like Tulsi Gabbard, decides in the last throes of the MAGA movement to sign on the MAGA communism. Like it's been seven years of MAGA. They wait until the last moments of it to sign up and go down with that ship. Right, the last well, person to die of polio. <laughs> but here's a, a preview of, uh, of what's gonna happen in Georgia. So here comes an instant prediction by me, um, other than Carrie Lake and Donald Trump will at some point uh, be a couple. Um, So that's a real prediction of mine and it's unacceptable, but it's real. It's gonna happen and when it does, I will take credit for it. Um, Yeah, definitely. What's the time frame? Uh, Five years. 2024 presidential election day, how about that? 2024? Yeah, or is that you think they'd get married after that? No, no, that's way too soon. I mean. It could happen, but I wouldn't. No, you're go trying to goad me into Jenk, how about I, tomorrow. How long do you think Trump's arteries have? Four years. Apparently, years. an infinite amount of time. <laughs> Maybe. So, uh, anyways, so he, here's my actual prediction. Uh, although that one's real too. Um, so in Georgia, DeSantis leads 55 to 35 uh, in a primary. If you believe a club for growth, right? So that's 20 point lead. Basically, at this point, I think the Georgia Republican voters are going to vote out Walker. Like they're not going to back him and Warnock's going to win. Just to send a message, please don't nominate Trump. Like Mm. we're we're done with Trump and this is this nail in the coffin. And besides, they already lost the Senate, so they really don't have too much to lose, right? And so, and Georgia Republicans probably hate Trump more than any other set of Republicans. So, and and think about two of the reasons. One, he attacked every Republican in the state viciously, falsely, a thousand times over. But secondly, uh, like he, if you're a Republican in Georgia, he has now cost you multiple multiple Senate seats, yep. and you're probably livid over that. You see what I'm saying? So my guess is that they're going to want to send him a message, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. 
Super last thing, I don't even want to really want to talk about it too much, but one of our members, Sensei Kerfuffle, uh, wrote in, Jang and crew, do you think that corporate Dems will now say, hey, we were right to back the crazies, we won? Well, they will say that. Uh, it, it, they won't want to say it too publicly because they don't want to bother getting into all the uh, distractions and, and, and that fun. But will they brag about it behind the scenes and say it once or twice in the media? Yeah. And by the way, have they earned the right to say that? Probably. Yeah. Yes. Right. They did. Yeah. They did it. They did it in. I've said this probably on John's show. They did it in California, backing um, Simon over Reardon, and they'll do it. They they do it now because it worked. Um, it was a, it was a gamble, but they obviously had their polling and it worked. But there's there's plenty of moves they can make in the future to kind of solidify a party going forward that could achieve super majorities. If only they tactfully do, because really, like, there's a tweet from Matt Gates today where he's just going through and saying, "Here's what I believe," to try to make MAGA appealing and and clamp down on the popularism of it all. And it was like lower prescription drug prices. Uh, we shouldn't. There should be no pork in uh, all of our bills and all this stuff. That is half of those things could uh, are like part of like the progressive charter. There's obviously like truffle pigs for for votes like Matt Gates and support who've sniffed that out as something that is appealing. Um, and if if the, it is true that they are losing their control over the party, well, there are still people out there who want those things. And if you can convince them that you can offer those things, then you absolutely should try because the Republicans do at all moments. They offer all kinds of things that are contradictory to each other. But if some of it works, then you've succeeded. All right, and on Twitch, you can call me Justice. Tulsi Gabbard just signed on as a contributor on Fox News. It's true and partly what John was referring to. No one is surprised. I love the people that are still pretending that she's on the left. You guys are hilarious. Like literally no one in their right mind believes that. So. When you, if you say Tulsi Gabbard is a progressive, you're either saying A, I'm a liar, or B, I am really, God, I, I don't want to go over the top. So I will say embarrassingly ignorant. Uh, Dog Barker says, thanks, Jeebus, for TYT. We appreciate it to you and Jeebus. And finally, uh, we get to the point industrial arts. Uh, writes in, I like how uh, I type in John and the next autofill is hair or Swaldorola. Yeah, I just mm. like a little better. So I, I wondered if that was true. So I started typing in John Idrola to Google, okay? And by the way, here's a fun game. At what point in your name does it, do you show up as you're typing? So if I type in John, no, uh, John I, no. Uh, really not with John I? How many nope. I not names are there? A lot. It turns out like Irving. John Irving, John's Iceland. Incredible Pizza, John Eisner, John Ireland. Okay, even John Fetterman comes up, even though it's not an I, and says no, but this That's, is preferable to giving you John Irola. You already have uh, the Senate. Why can't I have this? Okay, so John I A. Oh, so close. John I Chavelli, John Iacono, John Irola Wiki. All right, third. Okay, all right, so that's just an IA, that's pretty good, okay? Uh, then I put in D and it's all you. No, it's not all you, there's a Aya DePaolo, Aya DeLuca, man, you Italians are everywhere. Wait, can uh, I point out that 
for at least for me at Brett E, I get Brett Ehrlich. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't. So I get Brett Eldridge, and Brett. I get Brett Eldridge, but eventually I get Brett Ehrlich. <laughs> All right, we're trying. I'm going to come back to John in a second. We're trying C. I get CNBC. Uh, e. Cengage, a publishing company, Cerritos College, Boston Celtics. Okay. N. Still Cengage, whatever that is. I don't know. Okay. But my thing is filled with my stuff. I don't know if I'm, this yeah. is the right computer. Jank books, obviously. Jank yeah. Okay. Can, so can that I also just quickly add on to the uh, Tulsi signing on as a contributor? Uh, she's hosting Tucker Carlson literally right now. Yeah. I can't tell. I can't tell if she's uh, progressive she or, or right wing. I, 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 can't, I can't tell. So, uh, by the way, when you type in the full John Irola, uh, the last thing that comes up is um, you first of all, you get your standards, wiki, Instagram, book, John Irola book, John Irola novel, okay, John Irola net worth. Not as good, but okay, that's whatever it is, is made up. John Irola spouse, height, LinkedIn. But now the last one is John Irola, House of the Dragon. Nice. Is that interesting? We do need to create a House of the Dragon Squad shirt, by the way. We need to make that happen. But. Yeah. And so since you own the dragons and we had House of Dragon, it kind of makes sense, which finally gets us to the House of the Dragon review. Da, 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 da. It's been several weeks in the coming, but we're finally here. Uh, so um, House of the Dragon, of course, uh, prequel to Game of Thrones. It was John set how many years before uh, Game of Thrones? I think it's like 190. Oh yeah, maybe it is. Okay, so about 200 years, and it's 100 years into Targaryen rule. Is that correct? 190, yeah. Uh, that sounds no, about right. Wait, is it 190 in both directions? 190 years before Game of Thrones begins. 190 years, and I'm saying, but Targaryen rule. It's about 100 years after Targaryen rule began. I think that okay. sounds right. Yeah, and so at this point, there's still a Targaryen rule. If I'm not mistaken, was with three dragons at the beginning with Aegon the Conqueror. But at this point, there are multiple dragons. So the Targaryens are in a sense at the height of their power. Okay, but there's internal dissension. So for those of you who have not watched House of the Dragon, but you're planning on watching it. First of all, what the hell is taking you so long? <laughs> and then second of all, I'm gonna have to do spoiler alert, okay? Cuz we're gonna review it. Uh, and so the Targaryens are in full bloom. Their only uh, problem is other Targaryens and other allied houses uh, as they do their internal politics. Um, I'll start with this simple uh, observation to get, a, to get the ball rolling. I thought that it took too long to get into the intrigue. So in Game of Thrones, I invented the clunky uh, you know, uh, acronym VIMS, which n no one outside of uh, what the flick and uh, old school fans are aware of. It has not caught on for very understandable reasons. VIMS is not really a thing, but it stands for violence, intrigue, mystery, and sex. Uh, if you have those four things, uh, you will have an excellent show. 
And Game mm. of Thrones was a 10 out of 10 on all four, in essence. Um, and so I was looking for Vims in House of the Dragon, the House of the Dragon. And uh, and I in the beginning, I was like, plenty of V, got it, lots of violence, sex, whatever. That's the least important. Mystery, I guess. I guess who's going to take over is a mystery, but I'm not yet invested in the characters, so I'm not yet invested in that mystery. But what I really need is intrigue. And it took a while to get to that intrigue, in my opinion. And so for me, like three episodes in, I'm like, when are we going to get to better intrigue? But by the middle, it started picking up steam. And then we had, by the end, tons of intrigue. And I was like, there you go. I loved it. Intrigue is the most important factor. So by the end, I loved it. But in the beginning, eh. okay, that's where I'll start, Brett. For me, yeah, there there are a lot of HBO shows right now that think they are the smartest, most cleverest storytelling <laughs> shops in the universe. I'm looking at you, Westworld. Um, Euphoria succeeds, but it is like a very intricate, like planned within an, a frame of its life, segment by segment, sequence by sequence thing. And so it's see, and I hate a lot of, I hate Westworld. I tried to like Westworld. I watched all of what I still can't finish Westworld. They canceled it, so I'm glad I didn't finish it, even though I tried. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, Game of Thrones, the prequel, they were like, let's just tell a linear story. And with prequel series, it feels like I wonder if they think they have enough to fill the show with. I felt like they were like, I want you to see it. I want you to do this. Now, there was plenty of intrigue in Game of Thrones, and they made this kind of a story awesome by just having a monologue halfway through season three. So I I totally get the slowness of the intrigue to build. But I think for me personally, I was able to overlook that because I just needed this so bad. Mm-hmm. I needed a Game of Thrones universe show so bad. I needed to see dragons. I needed to see these castles. I wanted to see like, you know, Yellowstone's doing this. They have a throwback series where you kind of get to put the pieces together. That's the fun of it. They don't make a lot of classic prequel issues, like uh, classic prequel mistakes, where they're like picking stuff you already absolutely know the solution, the resolution of. So I I was able to enjoy it, but I agree. And as far as the S, I know we're starting just talking about the intrigue, but the S, there's no boobs in it at all. And I'm not saying I'm a good person, but I am saying I did host a Rotten Tomato show for a number of years. And I just like shows better when there's more naked people in them. And this Fair. was like overcompensating for sex positions. Uh, you know, what is it like? What I forget what they called it, but those sex position scenes where they got sex and they're just saying, like, here's my character's history. I, I was fine with that. I enjoyed that formula quite well. And I don't think it was the exp- at the expense of like, women's dignity or men's dignity in any way. I thought it was freaking awesome and I miss it this time around. Uh, well, first of all, hashtag fair. Second of all, uh, uh, then you'll be very happy about uh, White Lotus, uh, which instantly starts with male genitalia on screen in the first episode. Okay, uh, and it was a, and that was an interesting scene, but that takes us to a different review. 
but I will continue to interrupt this review to tell you, Brett, earlier today that at lunch, uh, the host uh, of the place I was eating lunch uh, said, "Oh my God, are you Jenk?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "You guys turned me uh, into a Democrat when I was 13." And I was like, "Please tell every Republican so they're like, we know it. They're actually influencing the kids to be smart and rational." It's a real problem, okay? But that's not why I tell you this story. I tell you this because he said, "Oh man, Pop Trigger was my favorite." Oh, and I said, uh, and he said, "So please tell Brett hi." Awesome, hi back. All right, look at Thank that. You. Okay, so okay, now back to. Uh, uh, by the way, if you're new to old school, uh, which is a tiny bit ironic, um, well, we do. This is a show about nothing. So we jump around topics, politics, uh, pop culture. Later, I will have a topic about the little bags that you put your vegetables in at the grocery store, acceptable or unacceptable. Okay, but for now, back to House of Dragon, John, thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, my thoughts about what Brett said is, I'm not sure what pairing you wanted to see more of. I could come up with one or two maybe. I just want to see a pairing of boobs. I don't know. I thought what you lose by having a bunch of sex scenes, you do gain that the ones that are there are more significant. Like Rhaenyra's sex scene with Christopher Cole or whatever is a significant event when it happens and it drives a lot of what happens later. Um, Damon's I'm unsuccessful sexual, sexual scene is a significant event. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well maybe maybe next season now the kiddos are grown up a bit more. So um, I, I might have mentioned this the last time we talked about it, but going into like in the year and a half where we're, we knew that this was gonna happen, we're waiting for it to come out. I had negative expectations. I expected it would be terrible. Uh, I began to wonder, and and by the way, I'm a person who mostly liked the eighth season of Game of Thrones. But despite that, it just felt like they're gonna give it to someone else, it's gonna be a cash grab. It is a very open question whether this is actually an interesting cinematic universe or whether that was an interesting story. Those are not the same thing. And yet, I like I, I initially was a little bit hesitant, like you, Jenk, because in the first episode, it doesn't hit you with a lot of characters like in the pre, the first episode of Game of Thrones that you immediately are like, I like Tyrion. Arya's cool. Like Ned Stark is an honorable guy. It took me, it was a slow burn for Viserys for me. First couple episodes, I was like, why is this guy in a Game of Thrones show? He's doing a terrible job. And by the end, I was like, give this guy all of the awards because he was amazing. And um, it takes a while for Rhaenyra to really like, when you over, the show is still lacking. One thing I've been criticizing throughout is it lacks the comedic character. It doesn't have a, a Tyrion or a Bronn or like a Sam even. And that was one of the things that hooked me on Game of Thrones was there's the funny angle to it. And you don't have the bickering with Varys and stuff. I really do think that they still need to add that. That's the big thing that's lacking. But the show has cool intrigue um, from very early on, like the second episode. I was very tense about some of the scenes that happened. When they go to Dragonstone that first time, I'm like, I honestly don't know if anyone's gonna be eaten by a dragon. And that was because it was set up well, but also I knew basically everything that happened in Game of Thrones through almost all of the run of that show. Now, I have no idea. I know that it exists in a book, I'm not gonna read it. 
And it's so cool to not know, to have that experience that everyone else had when they watched Game of Thrones for the first time. So maybe that's making it even stronger in my eyes, but I liked it way more than I expected to. Uh, interesting. I actually think that that last part you said is probably super relevant. I, I forgot that you knew what was gonna happen in Game of Thrones. That makes a giant, giant difference. The fact that you don't know makes House of the Dragon much more exciting for you, for sure. And then on some of the things that you said, you're, you guys nailed it. The comedic character, take it or leave it, right? I mean, because that could go really wrong. And I'm not talking just about Jar Jar Binks, but a lot of comedic <laughs> characters just ruin things, right? And uh, and so that's the thing that you have to be very delicate about. Uh, but what what we do need is more the various Tyrion characters, the 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 uh, the uh, Littlefinger, uh, and so people where you are both where they're ninety percent of their ninety to one hundred percent of their point is intrigue. Uh, and they're mm -hmm. playing the game, right? And you can't tell if they're good guys or bad guys. Like here, we start out with the uh, hand of the king, and it's pretty clear from the beginning that he's a bad guy, but you're not positive. It's a little distracting that he's uh, an actor known for being in comedies. Uh, it was actually, unfortunately, massively distracting for me, and I feel bad who, saying that. Who is that? But the I actually don't know him. Yeah, so Hightower. What's that? The, the guy How to Hightower? Yeah. Otto Hightower? Okay. Uh, Otto Hightower. Yeah. He was in like uh I don't know if he was in train spotting, but he was in those like nineteen oh. nineties British comedies. Reese I I was gonna say I'm pretty sure his name's Reese, but he looks like a Reese. Uh he was in Notting Hill. Notting Hill, that's what I was thinking. But he was in Spider Man as the lizard. I um, had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's such a funny, weird thing that that Notting Hill character got stuck in my head and I couldn't get it out. And so it was hard to think like, man, that badass from Notting Hill. Um, and so and that's super unfair to that particular actor, but it is what it is. Anyways, but but eventually it was clear that that he was the bad guy, but there was no there's no juxtaposition, right? Like you need like a, a good guy doing intrigue. And I'm not sure there's any in this show. Um, and uh, and so and John, I hadn't thought of the fact that, yeah, nice. and I think that might have been a part of it. Even though I love bad guys, and I think bad guys are way more interesting than good guys overall. Uh, but man, that that show was sorely lacking any good guys for a long time, and potentially through the whole season. I mean, is anyone really a good guy? Viserys. I mean, Viserys is so he weak is. that it's hard to root for him. And now, speaking of actors, let's note that while you were in the studio, John, someone pointed out—I forget if it was you or someone else—that Viserys's character, the main king, is played by the same actor as the Hound. And then that got stuck in my head, and I couldn't get it out. And uh, what? No, that's not true. Oh, really? No. Let's look it up. No. <laughs> I, that's what I heard, and then it looks like him when you like start and it's focusing not. in on it. Viserys is like Patty Considine. Britain has like four people, and they just recycled them because it's like they they never gonna. 
And the Hound was played by Rory McCann. Patty Constantine and Rory McCann. They they look similar-ish, but now the the just the twins in Game yeah. of Thrones. The twins, the guy who plays the twins in this show, has a role in Game of Thrones. But okay, can, can I say bit part? No, I can't. So apparently that was whoever said that was wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never bothered looking it up, and I kept thinking, why is the Hound the king? And why is he so weak? <laughs> so between Notting Hill and the Hound, it was all in my head. Uh, and so Are you sure you were with, watching House of the Dragon? <laughs> I had that with Veep. And I think that's something that we can all take away. With Veep, I was like, this isn't Sarah Palin at all. And that ruined <laughs> it for me the first season. And then you go back and look, it's like, oh, it's what I was projecting onto it. Now, Game of Thrones, the original show, took advantage of what you expect. And waited until episode nine of season one to turn it on its head. For that, you were like, oh, I'm for people that aren't John that didn't read the book, like for those of you who didn't do the homework, um, we came into that being like, oh, Ned Stark is the good guy and he will win for the rest of this show. It's yeah. just a matter of when. Not he will not die, he will be totally fine. And these are the rich a-holes over here on the the Lannisters and they are bad. And then I'm sure people are in the middle. And it took your expectations expertly. I think this is what people who produced it kind of turned and 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 George R. R. Martin did really well, which is guys, we'll teach you that there is no right and wrong. It is all in war and how you approach conflict based on your own credo and code by which you live your life. And we'll just watch people execute what they think is good and right for their family. And we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us are falling victim, and people fall victim to that in everything that they do, let alone watch on TV, I think, to a certain extent. But for this show, I think a lot of us are looking around, being like, who is the Tyrion of this show? And that's a disservice to the show because the show is inherently different, incredibly, like explicitly different from Game of Thrones until. The season where the Lannisters turn on each other. This is the opposite of Game of Thrones. And I think that's why they chose it as the next show. It's not about our family against the world, it's our family against each other. And as soon Mm -hmm. as they made that decision, they took from us, the audience, that expectation. And for many of us, it's disorienting unless we give it time throughout the season to develop at its own pace. We did that. and and I think it was wildly successful until I give the take that will turn the that might be the hottest take and uh, the 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 weirdest but maybe best suggestion for the show that anyone has ever given in the history of this program. I don't know if you guys had dumb things to say first. Oh yeah, let's. <laughs> I like you teasing it, so I'll say dumb things first. Uh, <laughs> which uh, is. It, it was also my first fake handle on Twitter. I'll say dumb things first. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, uh, look, all, you guys have made great points. It's now here's the hilarious part: the points you guys are making makes me like House of the Dragon more in hindsight. Okay, <laughs> uh, so that's dumb thing number one. Um, uh, now number two, um, I Brett, you're exactly right that 
it's so different than Game of Thrones that I commend them for that. And it makes it more interesting. So great point and great job by the show because it's very challenging to make it very different than Game of Thrones. And they largely pulled it off, okay? And so, but I still need one good guy, not like Jon Snow, etc. I need one good guy doing intrigue like Varys. I need an ACDC there on the intrigue. And without that, ah, it's like, it feels a little empty. I'm not, I'm not mad at you, right? I'm not mad at the show. I, I think it's an interesting choice. I'm super happy to keep watching. And by the way, the way that it ended, what I thought was so much better than the way that it started, that I'm super excited about season two now. And I feel like, ironically, we're back. We're back at a Game of Thrones like show. It's it's damn good, right? And so so I love it. Um, but uh, but at the same time, maybe next season we get one good guy. <laughs> yeah, John, be nice. I no, I, I I like his take. I I will say I have my my criticism was I I do want more humor. I think it's it's just people liked it. I'm not saying especially because of what I know of the actual story, it had a comedic jester character who was one of the narrators, and I get sort of why they've left that out, but. I don't know. I want a little bit of comedy in the same way that in a Star Wars show, I want a cute droid. I'm not saying it's core to it, but it's a trope that I like. So that that's my main criticism. I have one hypothetical criticism going forward, but we can wait until after Brett gives his spicy take. Uh, but before that, Jessica Smith, a YouTube member, writes in, Jenk is tripping. And <laughs> I'm sure that that is true. I'm not sure that what I'm tripping about. But Jessica, thank you for writing in with that trenchant observation. Everybody, if you're watching on YouTube, you just hit the join button below. You become a member. We got a whole nother old school episode after this, by the way, where we curse. Okay, but first, Brett's fascinating point. I loved the first season, but the show itself should start with episode one of season two. So you don't know why this war began. It starts with the wars of the greens versus the blacks. And you know, you don't know what launched a thousand ships. They each have their lies, they each have their stories. You've got these two offspring who there was something that only two of them know about. It was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the sky, you had a a Casualty that is going to start the war that we see in season two. Now, I just got done saying that, like, they got a lot of these shows went up their own butt trying to have creative storytelling. But I think what's another approach to the show that they did the complete opposite of, they went like, let me tell you everything, maybe to a fault. Let me tell you everybody's name and why they were born and how they were born and the decisions they made. The opposite of that is to start how they tell you to start stories anyway, with something very exciting happening. If you start the season in the middle of the war and then maybe do either flashbacks or you season two is season one, I thought that I think that would be you pepper things from season one into season two. You then have the intrigue and the mystery. This season they took us through every little thing. There is no mystery. 
all, we're like, oh, how how well are you going to stick to who you have been, whom, who you are, as we have been told, and have no cause to doubt. Um, but if you start with, I you know, I just got news that my son has been killed. What happened? I don't know. Then there's your mystery, there's your intrigue that can propel you as long as you want to keep it going. I think that'd be a cool way to start the second season or to start the show instead of this. Since John has the most skeptical face I've seen in a long time, I'm going to guess <laughs> that he's not buying it. Not at all. <laughs> I, not. I also I think not only do I not like context free your suggestion, but especially following up what you just said, which was so true about what differentiates this from Game of Thrones. I have such a great point to, to prove you totally wrong, but go ahead. Okay, well, we'll see about that. You just pointed out this isn't about the, like them versus the world, this is them versus them. But what makes that powerful is that it is a family being riven. And so we need to know about the links and the history between them, all the relationships. Like one dragon eating the kid off of another dragon, if you don't know anything about them, is not a significant thing. But if you know about their whole history and what it means and the consequences, which is baked into the history, this is what's going to make the next three seasons significant. Is everything that they just set up about their their youths together, growing up together? I think, I think it would have made the story way more empty. And and you can you fill just, in you some just of that with Game what, of Thrones that? empty because that's the way they tell the story in Game of Thrones. It's I don't think no, but I don't so know many how these the people grew up no. together. Oh, they just tell us they grew up together. No, but Major so many of the characters haven't them. met before the beginning of Game of Thrones. The whole younger generation is their whole story begins at the beginning of Game of Thrones. Daenerys is a child. Arya, Rob, all of John, they're all children. They don't have a shared history.